It is May 24th, 1997, and Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Quillen. I'm Trav. I'm Al. And this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Semi-Charmed Life, the first single from Third Eye Blind's self-titled debut album. Semi-Charmed Life spent eight non-consecutive weeks at the top of the Modern Rock chart. Here's a clip. Oh boy, this is a biggie. Woo! This album's yes. a biggie. Song's a biggie. Um, I think that we have, have speculated about whether this song could potentially hit a milestone. Let's maybe not reveal it yet, but we were thinking that this might be the one regular season song that could potentially could potentially receive a perfect rating. Was that at least a possibility? It is possible. I can confirm. Okay. Now, I am a lover of this album. I don't necessarily think of myself as a lover of this song. Where do you, do you, do you love this song? Yes. I fucking love this song. (laughs) okay talk about it travis man this song is soaring and it is ripping it is both (laughs) simultaneously (laughs) it is so good you got it's so just like god it's 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 a three chord it's a three chord jam you got you got a g gdc situation you got brown eyed girl here but they turn it into something <laughs> totally different. Um, man, it's the way that the riff is played is sweet. Um, it's a perfect uh, example of Stephen Jenkins's phrasing and melodicism. Uh, amazing chorus, amazing verse, uh, extra incredible bridge that is sometimes Mm. cut out of the radio version and um that that played a big role in how i can how much i came to love this song later on because i can remember early on they would cut that section um god what is the line where it cuts uh give me just a quick 
while you're looking at that, let me just try to, I want to try to count all the different parts of this song. So there's the do-do-do's, and then there's the verse, and th- the way that he sings these verses makes it seem like every verse is a totally new part of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it, it's very different when he's doing the I'm packed and I'm holding, I'm smiling, she's living, she's golden, and the part where he says, and I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. Like, that, that feels like a different part of the song. But then we've got the I want something else to get me through this part. That's, right, the chorus. We'll call that the chorus. Yeah. Um, then there's the how do I get back there to the place where I fell asleep inside you, which that feels like a that's a different part part of the song. A pre-chorus, right? Um, yeah, I guess you could say that, but it's after it doesn't happen until right before the second chorus. So I don't know. It almost feels like a bridge. But then there are other bridges. Mm-hmm. I believe in the sand beneath my toes. That's uh that's a, a bridge. Um Is that not another verse, maybe though? Just played a little bit differently again? I guess it's the same chords. I never thought of it that way. By the end of that part, he is doing, and that four right chords could make me cry. When I'm with you, I feel like I could die. Mm-hmm. But that's more like um, going along with the intro guitar part, the, the loud um, guitar chords. Mm-hmm. But then we've got another... So uh, we've got another part that goes back and forth between D and C... That's and the part the I was talking about. when the plane came in, she said she was crashing. That's the part I was talking um, about that was often cut out of the radio version, like early on yeah. that I heard. And the few times that I was exposed to it was thrilling. It was like, oh, shit, they're playing it. And then you crank it up a little bit more. And it just is this sustained tension that builds back and forth between that, you know, between the D and the C. and um. And then it kind of cuts out and slows down again, but then builds yeah. up. Man, this song Yeah, so we've got awesome. the, and you hold me and we're broken. So that's kind of continuing that back and forth quietly. And then, of course, it uh, gets pumped up again. I'm scared I'm not coming down. Um, and then there's a breakdown with the chorus, and I want something else. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it feels like there's an enormous number of different parts considering that I don't think they ever go beyond those three chords. If anything, they have a bridge where they eliminate one of the chords and that's, that's creates the variation, but it's a pretty masterful seeing how Stephen Jenkins can, um, offer that much melodic and rhythmic variation in the vocals that he can hold our interest and make it feel like things are constantly happening. Every line is almost sung differently. Yes. Like it's yeah. Yes, but it's all they're they're all hooks. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're throwaway lines that he's using to build up to something better later on. It's like every line is is phrased differently. There's a different um cadence to it mm-hmm. and uh different notes that he's singing and it's just unbelievable. And he's doing that throughout the album, not just the mm-hmm. song. Um he really is like his own guy when it comes to this. Like nobody else really does it this way. Well, is he rapping? Oh, (laughs) he's got a lot of attitude. I'll give him that. He's got, he's, he's got some swagger. 
Uh, he's. I he's, mean that rhythm, that rhythmic variation in it, in a kind of somewhat talky vocal, feels like you have to acknowledge at least to some degree it's drawing on rap. I, I, I'm not saying that he raps. I'm, I'm not sure that he raps, but it's an influence. Yeah, I yeah. There's something, something to it there. And I think isn't there like, um, like the drumming. There's a little swing in the drumming uh, at, in certain sections of the song that almost make it sound like a hip-hop kind of drum. Well, the, there is like, there's definitely a sample or uh, something underneath the beat that gives it like a hip-hop kind of feel. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the drumming, by the way, is amazing on the song also. Like, in addition to just the insane arrangement um the drummer just rips on this song and he rips on the album um but uh i don't know i just think what he does in this song is like truly perfect it's a great great personnel on this record altogether um and it's a shame that it, it seems like things you know i, I don't know um if anyone but Steven Jenkins is still in the band. Um, we've got, uh, let me think, Kevin Cadigan is the lead guitarist who co-wrote a lot of these songs. Mm. Um, and then, uh, hang on, I had this written down. Um, do you know the drummer's name? Uh, Jafferty Drinkins. <laughs> no, I do, I do not. Drinkins. Jafferty. 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 Drinkins. That's J D R A N K. Drinkins. No, just J R. J R. Brad. Brad Hargreaves. Brad Hargreaves on the drums and Arian Salazar on the bass guitar. I was close. Yeah. Uh, Steve, uh Stephen Jenkins is a bad dude, right? Um that's my understanding yeah. just through rumor and things like that. I know I I can the the one example I can think of off the top of my head is that uh Jimmy Eat World toured with them recently and I think like as soon as tour was done, the drummer like tweeted yeah. like now that we're done, uh Stephen Jenkins is an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I don't think he has bad politics. Mm. He might just be self-centered. That that was what I that was my assumption based off okay. of what, what Trav was talking about the Jimmy World stuff. It just kind of sounded like uh right, like probably just like not a pleasant person to be on tour with and to deal with in like that situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he has like alienated all of his bandmates and like I think he I think Makes without sense. doing any research I think that he <laughs> is the only surviving member who hasn't been kicked out or left quit from working yeah. with him. And there's been litigation between him and the lead guitarist Kevin Cadigan uh, over oh, over wow. uh credit for the the songs on this album and I think money for the songs on this album. Um but going back to the song, I, I just think uh, 
you know, this idea of like he he you wind him up and he never stops. And we're talking about this like relationship to rap and things like that. And I think um, it it feels very much like the thoughts of someone who is doing crystal meth. Not that I know that, but, uh, you know, the it's very much a song that feels like it's from the perspective of someone who's on uppers lyrically or like are you saying melodically no, just the, the way that the the way that he just the words just constantly yeah the delivery um, constantly yeah. going and changing yeah the delivery and the way the melodies are constantly changing wow. too i mean sure yeah that's a great point and yeah. it's so it yeah. was right there in front of us the whole time and i never considered that but that's a really great point uh memories memories of this song i just just good ones i feel like i don't know like i mm-hmm I think this was like uh, maybe a what I would call a guilty pleasure at the time for me for some reason. Uh, but I've always I've always loved this song, and I just uh, yeah I don't know. It just uh, I feel like I've been going through this thing um, probably since COVID <laughs> of like uh, um looking back at my upbringing and, and, you know, childhood and, and middle school and high school and, um, thinking about the things, you know, the parts of my upbringing that I, I don't like, um, you know, the church and stuff like that. Um, but also thinking about, um, more so like the positives, like the little things, like the, the friendships and, and, you know, the music that I loved and, um, things like that. And, and this is one of those songs that like, just really, um, is a really like shining moment for me. Like just something that I look back on at a, at a time that I, I don't look back on particularly positively, um, Mm -hmm. but is a positive, a very, very good memory. Um, and I think it helps that like, I like it more now, like musically, you know, as a uh, fan of art and as a musician and stuff, I feel like I appreciate the song more than I did when I was a kid. Like, um, and that just, I don't know, makes me look back on it even, even more fondly. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, just good, good positive, despite the subject matter, you know, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I have great memories of it. Yeah, I think that I didn't, I, I was drawn to this, but I didn't really buy it. Maybe I had some skepticism um, of whether this was for me until a friend bought the album. And when I heard the last three tracks, that was when I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, when I heard those like final three ballads on the album, I was like, oh, okay, these are like, these are like my people and I can, I can embrace this song. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, it, it's, it comes to mind as like, if, if I were to, to pick up a guitar in a group of friends, just like goofing around and pull a song out of my butt, like this would be one of the first things that I would go to for sure. Yeah. Most of my, um, great memories about this song have come in the last 15 years. Um, it's on rock band for the Wii and uh, it was a staple of our set list Uh, shout out to the Beagles that's a cross between the Beatles and the Eagles 
that we formed as part of our band. <laughs> um, and yeah, loved uh, Semi-Charmed Life and um, had some great nights playing that song. And just, I know it's a video game and it's, it's dumb, but like sometimes it helps to play it and get inside the song and kind of like see like the very like the the subtleties of it whether it's mm-hmm. this or yeah. any other song um i've always appreciated that about this song and then one time um in flint uh our friends in bong mountain covered it in like maybe 2015 they did. They did, and it was oh. unbelievable. It was just great. It was like one in the morning at Soggy Bottom, and oh, uh, that's awesome. Just it was like maybe the last song that they played for the night, and everybody's sweating, and uh, you know, had a few drinks in by that time, singing along, and it was really great. Before COVID, what do you notice about the drums on this song? Oh man, they just. Great opening fill, right? Yep. They rip and they soar. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they, so, so we, we were talking earlier about how there's like something underneath the beat, a sample or whatever, that um, gives it a little bit of a hip hop vibe. The beat is a little bit like, um, uh, kind of has that like dancey kind of aspect to it. Um, I love, I, just they sound great. Like they were recorded extremely well. Uh, I just love the way the snare drum sounds. Um, it's like a, yeah, a rare, good 90s um, recording. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. I think, is it the bridge or like the like third quiet verse or whatever that the beat kind of drops out and it's just predominantly hi-hat yeah. and kick drum and that's yeah. like a pretty, pretty nice move. Uh-huh. Um, there are... Oftentimes, fills like there are triplet fills that I think are there, but I don't think it ever happens, or maybe it happens only once. But there are like a couple of spots where I think it's going to happen and it never does, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a fun uh thing. Um, yeah, uh, the fill, the fills like before the big kind of outburst, um, mm-hmm. you know, the goodbye, goodbye. The drum fill coming out of that is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could just like go all day, like listing off, yeah. I guess, every individual thing that I like, but it's just a really well recorded, really well played um, performance. Yeah. And, and, and I know we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but uh, the drummer just is awesome on the whole, whole record. Yeah. I'm listening when you say. Um, the, the bass too. I think you shouldn't mm-hmm. underestimate what a hook it is. Just when the bass goes bump, 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 like that, like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's such a big part of that hook. Um, yes, big deal. Yes, definitely. Oh, I I meant to say uh, my favorite part is probably the do do do's at the end, and where he he brings the. Oh, I, what are the lyrics? 
the sky was cold. It was yes, yes. Something through my nose. Yeah, that's my favorite. Uh-huh. That's I think like the best part of the whole song. And there, I mean, this is a just a stacked song. Every part is amazing, but that part is like always. Like when that part comes in, I'm like, yes, this is this is a killer song. Uh, yeah. I think it's the vocal line where he goes to get me through this life. I think that's the best part. The delay before life. And and the blue note in there. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Good call. There's so much. So much. Uh, Spotify has a 20th anniversary edition of the album that includes a demo of this song. Ooh. And it is exactly as it's performed on the album, but totally lacking the spark that makes it so great. There's an intangible uh, thing that happens in this recording that elevates it to like God tier status. And I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but you can hear the demo and just be like, yeah, this is, it's, it's nothing. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's, it's missing something. One stop to the rhythm that divides you And I speak to you like the chorus to the verse Drop another line like a cutter with the curse I come in like a freak show takes the stage Give them the games you play So say, I want something else To get me through this Send some kind of light Baby, baby, I want something else I'm not listening when you say is this to blame for the existence of a song like Train's Hey Soul Sister? Is there a lineage of shitty, catchy, uh, a mile a minute uh, vocal earworms that comes uh, after this? Probably. I feel like you could blame Bare Naked Ladies just as much, maybe, mm. for the existence of something like that, but... It's an uncomfortable intersection. It, it, and it's unfortunate that it brings down Third Eye Blind a little bit in esteem because it, just by association. Um, but I mean, I guess the same thing could be said about Pearl Jam and Nickelback or Creed or whatever. Um, sure. It's the same sort of thing. Like every, every great band is going to have bands that follow them and don't do it as well. Yeah. Um, or just completely like desecrate it, uh, which, yeah, is probably the case with train and Jason Mraz and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. just trying to be clever and quirky and, um, yeah, maybe like bordering on rap and falling off of that tightrope. And we're back. Wow. That was fast. Third Eye Blind's self-titled record. What are your thoughts? Uh, Quill, why don't you start? What do you think of this Yeah, album? you know, I, I had actually never listened to it all the way through before. What? Yeah. yeah. How exciting. I'm so excited to hear your thoughts on pop. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> <laughs> I will say that... 
the sheer number of hits is crazy. Yeah, like the first half of the album. Right, they're all in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we can talk about the other singles individually, but they're all good, right? Like all the singles are good. Like this yes. album yeah. is just like, okay, right. So, so the first half of the album for me is like near perfect because my favorite non my favorite non single is narcolepsy. Uh-huh, that cool. song is amazing. Um, it has like a jangly emo almost like feel to it. Uh, the guitar chords are emo-y, Trev. Am I yes. wrong with that? Yeah, or, no, yeah. that's the case. Yeah, I wanted to so talk about this. that too. I feel like this uh, Third Eye Blind has an interesting relationship to emo. There's, I feel like this was this was a major gateway to emo, and I, I, I might even have trouble articulating why that is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, like maybe, maybe tunings, maybe like the tunings that they're using or something. Like, there has to be some weird tuning that they're using I, on some of the in, songs. In graduate, I, know, I guess I, I could. graduate is an alternate tuning. Yeah, it, sure. and and narcolepsy too, right? Is it? It, has to it be. could be. I, it could. I don't like, know. Maybe open I, tuning, some sort of open tuning or maybe. something like that. But I graduates think it's, probably honestly just Keith Richards tuning or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. got that. Right. That brown sugar kind of riff going right. on. That's a good yeah. point. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I, I, I would be curious to know what they would have said at the time, what their influences were for this mm-hmm. album. Yeah. Um, I will say, unfortunately, uh, the second half of the album kind of loses me. Like, the first half is, yeah, pretty much... First six songs, perfect. Perfect run of songs. And then it gets a little boring for me. Um, there are moments. There are moments that are good. Um, I listened to it, I, I want to say, like three times mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do intend to um I do intend to listen to it more. Um I don't think this quite I wondered if this was going to be um like this year's no code for me mm-hmm. um like an album that i overlooked um and just get really really into and i i don't think it probably has quite that um much power but but yeah i i i look forward to to spend more time with it um it's a, it's a great sounding record for sure like i just love the way like who did they record this with it sounds great um, the, the other thing about narcolepsy mm. that maybe is a little emo-y is it's one of several songs on the record that goes through a pretty dramatic transformation, and it feels yeah. totally natural, but um, there are a couple songs that start feeling a little uh, lazy and soft, and then they go into a transition where they um, get really rocking, and narcolepsy does that so well. It I mean, speeds the transition up, right? Is so yeah. good, mm-hmm. and it ends pretty hard and then there's like a halftime part i mean there's a lot going on yeah um yeah that false ending 
where you think it's over. Yeah. And then there's a pause and you don't know if it's a new song that started. It took me a while to get comfortable with that, to recognize yeah. that it was still oh. the same song. Uh, Travis, the guitar chords on that song make me think specifically of Rainer Maria. Oh, wow. How cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, there's, I think there's definitely just like a consistently like melancholy quality about mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. of this. Not necessarily sad, but melancholy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of like supporting... Uh, a singer who is yeah w- with a ton of attitude yeah, and right. uh just like completely acrobatic like melodic um stud he- he's just like incredible as a singer mm-hmm. and i mean like on this album like it's just like incomparable like the stuff he does from from line to line Yep. Yeah, Quill, I, um, you know, I've listened to this album for ages and ages. Um, it was an album that, uh, that friends burned for me. And so I had a, a CDR of it and it was always like other people's album. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think of it as like mine, but then I think in high school, there were a couple songs that I really, really latched onto. And then, um, I probably didn't think about it again until maybe 10, 15 years ago, but like very much a part of my adult life mm-hmm. and hearing losing a whole year and thinking like, like for the first time really going like Gaga for that song. That song's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was, then, it, then yeah. I, it was like losing a whole year and graduate that I was like yes. really, really getting back into. And now, uh, you know, I bought this on vinyl and, Mm. Um, and I, I think of it as one of the great artifacts of nineties radio rock mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the vinyl is a double vinyl and sides A and B are amazing. And side C is like, you know, when you're listening to the songs, it's like, yeah, they're, you know, they're pretty good, but it definitely takes a a major dip Mm. on that side C. But where I break from you is that I think once you get back to that side D, I think it's some of the strongest material on the record. Yeah, I feel like I remember you talking about um, God of Wine before and liking it. Um, I think Motorcycle Motorcycle Drive-By is also just a classic to me. I kind of think it starts shitty but then gets good. I don't know. Hmm. I I feel like there were moments in it that I liked, and and God of Wine too, but... um, Hey, Al, real quick, did... Was this an album that Tom was into, perchance, back in the day? I don't know if he was particularly into it, but he definitely was as into it as our okay. friends were. It seemed like to me like this would be an album that he and Stefan would would like. Stefan definitely was into okay. it, and Stefan had a band that he named after Track Twelve, the background. Oh right! So, oh yeah. shit! Ste- <laughs> Stefan was the one who was like, "Yeah, final three tracks." He was the one who pushed that on oh, me. And funny. there's no coincidence. We were talking about emo, but you know, then Stefan was getting me into Dashboard Confessional not too long mm. after that. Um, you know, something like Motorcycle Drive By is very proto Dashboard. Um, I think it's yeah. way better than Dashboard, but yeah. it's um, it's really cathartic. I would like to build something. 
but you'll never see it happen. And it's just burning like there's always been. I've never been so alone, and I've I've never been so alive. Man, you guys. Side C is my shit. That's that's the peak of the album for me. If we're talking, I mean, I guess I don't know how it's like separated, but if we're talking uh-huh. tracks 9, 10, 11, that's the peak of the album for me. Like everything huh. builds to that. 9, huh. 10, 11 is like it. And then I know I've always heard, I've heard the last three songs too, or maybe I've heard maybe more specifically the last two songs as being like these really spe- this special part of the album but I've never really connected with it in the same way. Hmm. I, I appreciate it. And I wouldn't say like it's unnecessary or anything, but um, yeah, it's just uh, it's ramping up the whole time. It's just like getting better throughout. And then, you know, it hits, you know, maybe track 11. I think the background is kind of like a, uh, so I should say this song or this album is 14 minutes and 57 or 57 minutes, 14 songs. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to cut two songs. Hey, why is that? It, why is it okay for this album to be that long, but not? It's not. That's what I'm Tragic telling you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> I think that the background and Burning Man serve no purpose on this album. And if you got mm-hmm. rid of both of them, it would be unbelievable i already think this album is fantastic Mm -hmm. but Mm. those two songs are kind of unnecessary and you would still have a 12 song album that's 50 minutes um and it would be fantastic so i would get rid of thanks a lot and good for you i can live with thanks a lot being gone but good for you was the song that i loved most like revisiting it this week Okay. I was so, um, I was really taken by Good For You. Um, A couple of those songs, it's just awkward things that Jenkins is doing lyrically that I don't like. Like that, hey, won't you stay a while? My smile will not deceive you. I just really don't like the delivery of a few of those lines. Um, He says he sings it just like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You nailed it. Um, the the thing about "Good for You" that I love so much is that um, the first chord alternates between a minor and a major in the progression. So, like the first time through, the first chord is a minor, and then it plays through what three chords, and then the next time through, it's played as a major chord. Yeah, and it, I can I can hear how those are very Travis chords. Yeah, I really really uh, loved that, and God, it just rocks. Uh. <laughs> Uh, shit uh the lead-off single from the follow-up album has a lot of travis chords too um anything from blue yeah oh anything is amazing anything is just just the best that's a straight emo song yeah yeah Yeah. that might that's as good as anything on this album and uh this album is awesome
anything is like yeah it's incredible yeah this is another one of those albums that's kind of like um high school summer night breeze coming in the screen window mm. listening to songs that are making me feel lots of feelings maybe uh taking a cd out of the case turning it backwards so it's a mirror and then singing into the, <laughs> into the mirror um was something that i did a lot of in high school but Aww. yeah i've got so like i'm just remembering motorcycle drive by and just like um uh, like a girl that I liked to, you know, we had some drama and we kind of liked each other, but like ultimately it just didn't work out between us. And man, those lyrics to motorcycle drive by about like, uh, uh, that's when I knew I could never have you. I knew that before you did still, I'm the one that's stupid. And there's, you know, and it goes on about his mm. burning feeling and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that stuff was catnip to me when yeah. I was like 15 years old. Can we go through this like track by track? I mean, I feel like yeah. every song is good enough to earn its own discussion in this yeah. conversation. Um, we've covered, you know, the first three tracks being Losing the Whole Year, which is, you know, fantastic. And like such a great opening. It is a great just the from the falsetto to the just it slams you. It was really fun, you know, like uh end of twenty twenty, I was listening to it a lot, thinking like uh it was a good COVID song. It was a good pandemic song. Yeah. And uh and then it turned into two years and three years. And, you know, That's whatever. another one Four where years. The, the, the bass takes on kind of a lead role when it does that. That's great. Oh, man, the drumming in that song is awesome. There's a fill that has always killed me. Um, in the middle of maybe like the second verse where it's like seeing you pop that check. I don't know what the lyrics are. And mm-hmm. it goes, and craning your neck at the car wreck, like right in between that. There's this really quick, flashy fill that serves the song totally. I think I know what you're talking about. I just the drumming, the um, the what are they? What would you call it? The post chorus or the the did it 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 yeah did it which alternates between five and six. Yes, is that what's going on there? Yeah, yes, it does. Uh, that's pretty emo. It makes me think of Jimmy World specifically. That yeah. Um, it's particularly good when that part leads into the guitar solo. Yes, with. It's very tasteful. Wah. So that song uh, was uh, what the third? It was a th- well. The wait was Summer Charm Life the first single? Yeah, yeah. So it was the fourth single, and it was it uh, peaked at number thirteen on the Modern Rock chart. It looks like and number thirty six on the mainstream rock chart. So I had it. It did. I I don't remember. I I mean, I definitely remember hearing it on the radio, but I don't remember it being that popular. Yeah, not really. I mean, enough of a single that it was familiar. 
Yeah. But uh, not super popular, which is a tragedy. Yeah. But uh, God, great lyrics too. Great lines. Um, there is the line at the end of the second verse that says, now we're stuck with the tube, a sink full of dishes and some aqua lube. Like the way it's sung and the, the rhyme scheme is so fantastic. And then later there's another line that says, um, convinced you found your place with the pierced t- queer teens in cyberspace, <laughs> which is a very dated like uh, mm-hmm. line, but also, also just like the cadence, the rhythm, the rhymes. It's, uh, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, man, what a guy, what a writer. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know that I have that much more to say about that specific song, but, um, it's fantastic. Narcolepsy we covered in Semi-Term Life. Uh, Jumper is kind of so melodramatic that it's almost funny, but it's still kind of a fun song. It's not my least favorite single. Um, it's not. No, I. there is one other single that I think is worse. Um, mm-hmm. I do like it. I what, get, what gets me now is the bass. The Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh my God! It's so cool! It's such yeah, a cool the, the way line. that that guitar solo starts sneaking in, kind of like a kind of like a U two sounding like guitar line, and that's almost like a Radiohead bass line. Uh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah yeah yeah! Um, the like marching snare coming in with it too, like it's. Yeah, that's a cool. I mean, you're definitely right. It's melodramatic for sure. Um, but man, but it's, I, uh, it's sweet. There are parts about yeah, it that I find are it great. to be genuine. Yeah. And it is like, uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think I agree with that. Yeah, the sentiment is is nice for sure. Um, and there's a great chord. Chatsworth. Uh, oh, Chatsy hi. boy. Hi, buddy. Um, he would step up off that lead. <laughs> it's there's a great chord right before the chorus too. Oh yeah, where it's it's like a it's like a C shape on guitar that slides up to a D. Um, I don't know how to describe it any better. Than I don't know that, what the but, fuck that means. Yeah, it's right when he says, um, it's like where the pause is, um. Right before he, he says, shouts, everyone Jumper, I know it's got a reason. Jump. It's reason. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, I can't follow that. <laughs> everyone I know it's got a reason. And it's it's the reason. Uh, on reason, yes, it slides up. Right. There. It's that chord yeah. to say, and then it goes, put the past away and goes into the, the chorus. Jumper, don't jump. <laughs> that classic line in the great song, Jumper. <laughs> in parentheses don't jump by third eye blind Uh, graduate yeah. we talked about a little bit we talked about the tuning just 
just I, just the tuning dude that song slaps it's that was like it slaps i think after semi-charmed life that was the next song by third eye blind that i heard and i think it was used in maybe like uh a trailer for can't hardly wait maybe or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah no can't hardly wait oh that would be cool Right, that was the with like Jennifer Love Hewitt and yeah, like late nineties. Uh, I I think it was used in a trailer or something, and that's where I heard it. And I was like, oh, what is this cool sounding guitar? And realized it was Third Eye Blind, and um, and yeah, it's it's a meaty, cool guitar song. Uh, what you, you don't like it, Trev? I have to be honest and say that I've had difficulty distinguishing it from losing a whole year. Hmm. Mm. That's cr- uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just got... I know. <laughs> the bourbon down the throat. <laughs> um, no, dude. They're like nothing alike. And it's shocking. No, I know that. To me. I know that. I recognize that, but I still have a hard time telling Differentiating. I know yeah. that they're nothing alike, but I have a hard time differentiating them. Yeah. Al, you say it just rocks? It's rocking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the the opening riff does, and then the way that it transitions over to, to the verse is very cool, and there's that little uh, guitar scratch down the neck. Um, the drumming is, yeah. the beat is awesome. The groove in the song is yeah. awesome. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. it's just really good. Um, so I thought going into this, this week when I was revisiting the album, uh, that I thought, uh, how's it going to be is going to be the worst song on the album. And it definitely wasn't. It was mm-hmm. cool. Um, it starts off, it's so soft that you're like, oh, this is going to be a little, a little too sappy. But when it gets loud, man, it's awesome. Late, yeah. in, the, uh, late in the song. No, it's great. That's where it loses me. When it gets loud? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You got it backwards, bro. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like the when like he's like shouting, shouting, singing. No, oh, um, I think it's really good. I this is my least favorite single. Okay, I will say I don't hate it or dislike it. Yeah, it's just that's fair. It's it, it's probably my, my least, least favorite, favorite single, single for too. sure. Well, I might like it more than Jumper. But oh, I thought that that was going to be the case for me, but no, I, yeah. I like Jumper more. Yeah, yeah. But, it's still uh, a fine song. I, I I still think it's good, but just the like the quiet kind of guitar lead is my uh what I like about it. Hmm. Another yeah. another emo adjacent thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I like that one all all the way through. Hmm. Uh. So Al, you said thanks a lot would be one that you would cut. Is that right? Yeah, it's not bad, but it's not good either, I don't think. Yeah. The thing that I, I liked about it that uh, stood out to me was the line about, uh, I, slit, I slit the throat of your confidence, right? Uh, it's a pretty attention-grabbing line, mm-hmm. um, but he sings it twice, and the second time he sings it as a harmony, but not with the original melody. And yeah, I can hear what you're talking about. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, 
it's a it's a cool move again like it's just kind of showing off like how talented talented he is with like just using different melodies and things um i i like it i liked the chorus you know the falsetto chorus is kind of neat um i think it has a place but you know i i mean it's it's still one of the less important songs in the album for sure mm-hmm. yeah Go that on. falsetto I, I, I find a little bit just just slightly annoying oh colin do you know the song thanks a lot by third eye blind no okay Next. i mean i i yeah i i don't have uh much anything to say for the rest of the run of songs that i haven't okay said. Okay, then we'll just we'll just move along. Let's let's accelerate this a little bit and ramp it up about things I have you, strong you, feelings for. You got just go rapid fire, go through what you got to say. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm directing this at you. You don't like London. I I I don't remember what it God sounds like. Damn, London rips and it soars. It's <laughs> so strong. It's hard, and it's got a sweet riff. And the chorus is like gale force wind blowing at you with wow. all of the like power of the 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 amps and everything hitting you. God, gale London, force. L- London is awesome. Yeah, I I said I was gonna listen to the album more. Yeah, but you listened to it three times and you didn't get it. So yeah, I'm true. admonishing you. I'm rebuking you. Um, I like it. Yeah, I remember. So that's one of the things that um, come to mind when I think about that song is that I had come out to visit you and we were talking about this album. We didn't even listen to it together. Maybe we, you know, listened to a song or two or something like that. And you were like, yeah, the album's pretty good. This was probably like 15 years ago or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. And I came home and that was the one. That and uh, really? and I and I want you, and I was like, "Holy shit, London is awesome!" And I think your text back was, "I want to get my hands on him," which is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is the uh, appropriate response to that song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that one-two punch of London and I Want You. I Want You is amazing, too, in a totally different way. It's really, um, yeah, it's, it's sexy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of based around that C major 7. Um, mm-hmm. It's that type of song with, like, as many open strings as possible. Um, and a little, bit of, a little bit of rap singing. Yeah, I feel like there's some sonic hints in I Want You. It's a little more produced. Uh, there's some sonic hints of where they're going on blue. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That seems, I mean, as like an acoustic song, it seems like a song that I would like love to be able to play and sing. 
But when I really actually think about what that would entail, it seems like it would be so embarrassing to try to pull <laughs> off what he does without sounding like a complete geek. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's worth trying. Yeah. You don't have to do it for a big audience. That's true. That's true. I'll lock myself in a closet and see how it goes, and I'll report back. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the last three tracks, I mean, we kind of talked about a little bit. It's just... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're really important to a lot of people. Um, so, mm-hmm. They feel a little bit like so conventionally like ballady and sappy that it's a little bit it's not as easy to for me to to embrace but they have some rockers yeah both motorcycle drive by and god of wine uh kind of end up being uh somewhat rocking but one but i i'm I'm not arguing with trav that they're 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 very ballady and anything Uh, is just a straight ripper all the way through to Wait, what right, rips right, all the, the way on the through? next album? <laughs> yeah, I know, but they had some rockers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know for whatever reason. Am I mixing up? I might be mixing up "Motorcycle Drive By" in "Narcolepsy" or a different song where, um, you know, there's the uh, the line where it goes and there's this burn in and it builds up and it says, "And I've mm-hmm. I've never felt I've so never alive, been so alone." I feel uh-huh. like that is supposed to like hit like double time does is that a thing that happens at another part or something or another part of the album or another song like i'm waiting for it to like really like crank up a gear or two when he sing when it cuts out and he sings i've never been so alive i mean um, yeah he narcolepsy goes sort of to like, double time that's Narcolepsy probably what it double is. Time. Or like he does close. it in motorcycle drive by. He does it once, and it's they never go double time. But um, he does it once, soft, and then the next time that it happens, it's really um, the song's in high gear. I mean, it's really the volume's really really pumped up. Yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah, what an album. Yeah, yeah, it's a great album. It is. It, it may be the last great album mm. that we'll talk about. God, that's depressing to think about. Yeah, that's, but that might that's be true. Possible. Yeah. I mean, there could always be a surprise, like the Verve pipe. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if we said chart positions for all those songs. So we'll just say real quick: graduate. Modern rock number 14, mainstream rock number 26. I think we said that. How's it going to be? Uh, modern rock number five. Losing a whole year, modern rock number 13, mainstream rock number 36. And Jumper made it to modern rock number nine. Um, after this album, I think we've all said some positive things about Blue. Uh, a couple things about that before we move on. Yeah. I would be okay. So I just want to say, right. We've already talked about anything, which is we all agree is amazing. Right. Um, the other big single was, um, never let you go. Uh huh. Did you guys like that song? I didn't. I I like it kind of now, but I, I you didn't at the time. What about you? T? 
I tolerated it. I, okay. I more than tolerated it. I was sort of like, this is this is good, but it's not as good as anything. Anything. Any yeah, I I think that's before. where I was. I I think it's a good song. I think uh I think it's a good pop song. Um, but yeah, I I haven't listened to the album beyond those the two singles or those two singles. So oh, curious. There's some very good stuff on. Okay, there. I was gonna. That's where I was going. I was curious. Yeah. What your it gets thoughts pretty were. pretty weird. Um, there's some very weird stuff, but just among the, just among the 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 kind of pop songs, um, I think that "Wounded" was released as a single at some point. That's another that one that's got some right. kind of um, a lot of transitions in it, and I think is spectacular. Um, Ten days late is just pure alternative pop. Um, almost Green Day sounding, but in like a beautiful way. Just great. Huh. Uh, we talked about Deep Inside of You recently. Um, yes. N- n- not always great, but there's uh, there are a couple parts that are just totally outstanding. Um, I really like a song called Ode to Maybe, which is, um, I don't know. I mean, I could just go on and on. Uh, a lot of the songs are like kind of 75% good, and then there will be like maybe a 25% that's not great. But it's all kind of because he's taking big swings. And sonically, there's a lot more atmosphere. There's a lot more delay. There are more um, sounds that you can't quite pick out what instrument they're coming from. More synthesizers. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, but um, I think it's uh, 75% as good as as the self-titled album is. I have not followed this band at all past there. Have either of you? Um, no, but but hold on real quick. You Al, you would say blue is worth looking into. Oh, worth very spending much. some time with. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. That's absolutely great. terrible artwork and terrible font for blue. Yeah, I, th- I didn't hate the artwork. The Come yeah. on. the blue it looks, meteor. I like it. The blue it, meteor. It looks like right? I think it might be the sun. Oh, it, it looks the like blue the sun shoes album. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. I do. Ixus boy. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and the, the blue artwork is way better. Yeah, than the but slick shoes. <laughs> guilty by association. <laughs> I have not really followed them either, but I will say in 2020, I listened to this album and had autoplay on when streaming. And the next song after the album finished was a song from their 2019 album Screamer called Tropic Scorpio that was so good (laughs) that I listened to it 10 times in a row. It's one of those songs that happens like twice a year where I'll lose my mind about it and listen to it over and over and over. And by the end of the year, it was the song that I had streamed more than any other stream- song. Holy shit. That makes me want to check it out. It's incredible. 
And so I don't, I don't know. And I listened to the album and like, there are, there are, um, cool, cool songs, cool parts to songs. And there are still things that like he's aged in a weird way. Um, you know, it's hard to reconcile the stuff that he was singing about on the self-titled album with the attitude that he's kind of carrying now. Um, and he's he's still trying to make it work, and sometimes it does work, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's kind of interesting to see. Um, I think they've come out with they've come out with an album last year that I didn't listen to at all. Um, but I'm open to the possibility that they have done cool stuff um, since the '90s. They become pretty yeah. prolific. An album, two albums in like two years apart or, you know, like 2019 and 2021 albums. Yeah. Huh? That's crazy. I, um, I, I went to see them play four or five years ago and I can verify that they, they have a following that mm-hmm. pays attention to and loves their new albums. And it's pretty sizable. I mean, there, there are some real third eye blind heads out there. Um, so this is not just something that they're doing to, to convince themselves that they're still relevant or whatever. This is something that, um, they do have a, I think a pretty substantial audience that's responding to these things. Uh, let's go to the charts. Yeah. It's been a minute. Main Mainstream rock number one is a song called Little White Lie by Sammy Hagar. I listened to it for the first time two hours ago. Oh. What'd you think? Pretty good? It's not bad. There's <laughs> a, it's a lot of slide guitar, isn't it? Yeah, it's impressive, uh, impressive acoustic guitar. The vocal performance is a, a little lame, and it's... um seems to be uh making some political statements that are oh probably not particularly compelling but um uh i didn't dislike it this seems like something that you, that you would have been into at the time maybe i mean that's quite an accusation but <laughs> <laughs> but you're not wrong um <laughs> I wasn't not into it. I was aware of it. It was a rock song on the radio, so uh-huh. sign me up. Um, <laughs> from the album Marching to Mars, which must have come out before uh, Mas Tequila, but not too far <laughs> before Mas Tequila. Did you guys, were you guys into Mas Tequila? I know nothing about Sammy Hagar. Oh, man. Mas Tequila came out in, in 1999. That was the leadoff track from the album Red Voodoo. Oh, Mas Tequila's a song, not an album. Right. It okay. also might be his tequila brand. I don't know. <laughs> he does that stuff. He's a Cabo Wabo boy. He's a, he's a celebrity booze maker. He is. Yeah. He's always seemed kind of cool. Sammy Hagar. He's not cool. That's not the right Who? word. Who are we talking about? Sammy Hagar, the Red Rocker, brother. 
You know yeah. him. You yeah. love him. No. Um, he's always seemed like a, like a, no, yeah, like a cool guy. I mean, not like necessarily a cool singer, sometimes a cool singer, but, um, yeah, no. I don't know. Join me, uh, for more discussion on my Sammy Hagar podcast. <laughs> All right. Pop number one is Umbop by Hanson. Yeah. I had no reaction whatsoever to this existing when I was young. I mean, I, I think I hated it. Um, but I think, I mean, I haven't heard the song in a millennia. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe I would like it now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I found it really obnoxious, but I think they kind of evolved into like songwriters. Didn't, uh-huh. didn't someone from the band have like a super group with like, yeah. James Yeehaw. James Yeehaw. Maybe somebody from Fountains, Fountains of Wayne. Of Wayne. Yeah. yeah. And Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick. Oh, there we go. Tinted Windows? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I definitely know a few people, Matt and Julian, uh, who I'm pretty sure like saw them at South by Southwest or something like that and came yeah. back and were like, Tinted windows there, like surprisingly good. They were and, window uh, heads. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, cool. I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I never checked them out. Nice. Yeah. Um, anything on the modern rock chart? All the way at the bottom are some interesting things. Um. You know, the ska craze is, is happening. It's just mm-hmm. just getting going. We see Sellout by Real Big Fish um, at number 39. But the, the point uh, is number, the song at number 40, Four Leaf Clover by Abra Moore. Did either of you check, happen to check that out? No. No. Man, I, I would recommend it. I had never, oh. I had never heard of Abra, Abra Moore. Um, and... I was just like, huh, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. And I, I think it was really cool. I think it was a really good, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I mean, I guess you could say it would be along the lines of like Liz Fair and, um, oh shit. Um, the artist that did mother, mother. Tracy Bonham. Tracy Bonham. Like that kind of thing. Um with a little bit more uh a little maybe more eccentric, but um Oh. It, yeah, I, I I think check check out the song. I it's I'm pretty sure the opener on the album that it's on. And um yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. It was just because I had never even heard of this person before, but it seemed like a really cool song.
Also, Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai is on the Modern Rock chart suddenly. Mm-hmm. That's good. At number 38. Yeah, I can deal with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great song. Yeah. Were you guys real big fishermen? I definitely liked them a lot as a kid. Yeah, sorta. Yeah, I owned yeah. Uh, their the the two big albums. Turn the radio off. Listen to them a lot. And why do they rock so you, hard? You had why do they rock so oh, hard? Too well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Yep. What was your jam on that album? Uh, I can't remember oh, a single thing. Uh she's got a girlfriend now. That was on. That was on. Turn the uh, radio, turn off. radio off. It was. Yeah. I'm uh, so out of it, you guys. I think. I think. Uh, Why do they rock so hard? Had a, the initial single was called the setup, maybe, and it was yeah. really good. Uh, <laughs> and I think there was one other single, and uh, it, yeah, it definitely like they kind of. Uh, had the one, you know, the one big album, and that was really it. Yeah, that's something that I don't think I'm going to be able to dig up from the past. It just feels like a band that caters so specifically to 15-year-olds. Yeah. Just the whole, the whole vibe, the whole mindset, the lyrics, everything. Um, yeah, very sure, much sure. of that time. They, they, they're, they'll be remembered forever for appearing in the movie Basketball, which I think is right. exactly where they belong. <laughs> Somebody Hates Me was the other jam from Yeah, from okay, I remember that. Um, did you listen to the song Medicine by Orbit? No. no. Yeah, I had no memory of them, nor did I recognize their name, so I, I watched the music video, and it is it could not be more standard radio rock for this time period but by the end of the song the the hook had had got its hooks into me and <laughs> i felt like i might be listening to it a few more times oh that's funny i when i saw that i thought it was orbital yeah, yeah. which is uh they were like an electronic like a da- edm yeah uh, group right yeah um, and then wasn't there is there was it William Orbit who worked on like uh Ray of yeah. Light and stuff like that? Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um what is Cowboy Mouth? <laughs> I had never heard uh, of that. There was also I, Ro- Roy Orbitson. He was uh popular Roy. in the 90s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh Cowboy Mouth. I loved Jenny says uh when it came out. I was a big fan. Oh. I've heard it since. It not good. Oh, <laughs> doesn't yeah, hold up I, well. I, That's a bummer. I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. I do remember hearing that song. I guess yeah. maybe I would recognize it if I listened to it, but I, yeah, I just, uh, I did not recognize that band name. Have we talked about Volcano Girls? I don't know that we have. I don't actually. know if we have. Volcano Girls, uh, the single by Veruca Salt, is at number sixteen. Um, I think it's my preferred Veruca Salt single they just really take that like uh almost feels like there's a gang of violent cheerleaders uh playing in a punk rock band and uh i don't know it's just a really winning combination of things it's a great song with a great vibe i've always left it and there's the uh glass onion verse right yeah yeah which is pretty cool yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's, is that their most popular single? I know that the most popular single from American Thighs was Seether. I think um, Seether is a more more popular song than Volcano okay. Girls. Okay. Yeah. For for me, I'd always heard Volcano Girls, you know, ten times for every one time that I'd heard Seether. So, huh. um, yeah, for me, it was always like that's that's their hit. But I recognize that American Thighs is like the album. And it's it's an amazing album. Um, I guess I can't say that I've listened to Eight Arms to Hold You. And I'm just recognizing that now for the first time. And I should fix that. And I'm excited to fix that. Like there's an album out there that I should listen to that would be awesome. I'll also just say that since our last podcast... Um, Trav had talked about Where You Get Love by Matthew Sweet, mm-hmm. and I didn't recognize it when he was talking about it. And then when I was editing, I had to go and take the clip, and I just remembered, oh, my God, yes, this song. And I, I listened to it a lot. I've listened to it a lot in the last couple months. Cool. That's yeah, I'm awesome. glad you said that because I had this, a similar experience with Daylight Fading, which I mentioned to you, where you were like, yeah, yeah check this out, this Counting Crows song. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I checked it out to... At, to edit into the episode and uh holy cow what a chorus yeah fantastic yeah i like a lot of that recovering the satellite stuff cool moment of truth let's rate summer charmed life by third eye blind i love this song i give it five eyes that are blind i will also give it five fucking Leroy Jenkins <laughs> I was on the fence but I'm gonna give this five whole years that have been lost yeah <laughs> we did it yeah. Yeah. Al don't feel yeah. you gotta don't feel do pressure. it you gotta do it no you have to do it hold no, on I you have to I feel, pressure. feel pressured all right i didn't feel pressured you just and, said and earlier this, this like i'm more of a lover of the album than this song yeah <laughs> it would be it would be between five and four and a half uh for for me on this there. song and the conversation yeah you know just just talking about how much happens in this song uh gosh yeah it's really i could tell you were you were appreciating the you know everything we all three of us were talking about like you were like excited about yeah i get it yeah yeah um nirvana wannabe uh no i don't think so no, probably yeah. not. In yeah, it way. just seems like we're so far removed. It is curious to think about what their influences might yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was saying earlier, I would be curious to know, like, right? Because I, it's got to be in a, a pretty eclectic um, collection of groups. Yeah, I, I wonder if we'll ever say yes again at this point. 
I mean, unless maybe we have like a puddle of mud song or something like that, but <laughs> this, so this song, perfect rating. We did it. Yeah. Hall of Fame, baby. Deserved. Uh, just quick. I'm just going to read from Wikipedia. Jenkins noted that he was influenced by The Clash, Jane's Addiction, and Camper Van Beethoven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> All cool bands, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod. Uh, however, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Listen along with our playlist on Spotify. Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Uh, normally in the show, this is where I would announce next week's uh, song. But uh, Trav uh, got a dog recently, and I thought maybe listeners would want to hear a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, um, we got a dog. Uh, um, she's a puppy named Gloria. Uh, part terrier. You know, my frustration part- with dogs is that they always, they they always they like they run right to me. Like they get the, they really they get the wrong impression about me. <laughs> like right. dogs always seem to think that I'm gonna be like, is it the way that I dress? Is it like the way that I act? They think that I'm just gonna be easy. Mm-hmm. They get the impression that I pet. 